Hello and welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and every time I publish an episode, there are about 25 keeners that uh, immediately listen to it no matter what time I post. So uh, that really makes me happy and thank you so much to you keeners out there. This episode is for all of you lovers of hand-drawn animation because it's featuring 2D hand-drawn animator Tina Navretsky. In fact, this is her second time on this podcast, first appearing in episode number 27 back in my first year of doing this podcast so long ago. Back then, we talked about how she stuck to her love of hand-drawn animation and ended up being one of the original animators on Cuphead. Now I have the privilege of interviewing her about her most recent super cool, very ambitious, and extremely beautiful short film in production, Sirenka Legend of the Warsaw Mermaid. In our chat, she shares the wonderful team of women from around the world she's built to create this film and all the ins and outs of what it takes to make a completely hand-drawn short in today's age of animation. And if you are a fan of 2D hand-drawn animation, mermaids and human rights and equality, which Tina will get into in our chat, you can support Tina's project on Indiegogo right now. And I've included a link to that in the description of this chat. So please go check it out. And now without further ado, let's jump in. Hello, hello, Tina. How are you doing? So good to be back. How are you, Terry? Yeah, I'm good. You know, uh, I always enjoy chatting with you. It's been years since we first met outside uh, of both of our apartments walking our dogs. You came on my podcast. We work together now. And uh, you are creating a super amazing, cool short film, which I want to grill you about. (laughs) Amazing. I'm so excited. It's true. Like, it's really fun how our, our puppies meeting in the park has evolved into um, not only a really nice friendship, I would say, yeah. I really enjoy having you as a friend, Terry, but also, you know, we, we are now collaborators, we work together, and I feel we're both doing our bit to uphold um, animation in all its beautiful forms. And yeah, yes. it's great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, uh, you kind of got me into hand-drawn animation, actually, which is amazing because you're like at the forefront of that. And also, I very much value your friendship as well. I do miss that you moved away because we don't get coffee anymore, but We'll have to make that happen soon. Um, but enough of that, you know, you're working on a incredible film, which I have seen and heard a little bit more than is, is allowed to be shared at this point. So, you know, what can you share about the film right now? <laughs> Just to wet yeah, the audience's taste a little bit. Um, so this is a project that I've been thinking about for 10 years. Wow. And I think that um, a lot of us as animators and artists are like, oh, I have this amazing idea, but I'm not good enough yet. I'll wait a bit, you know, I'll get better at animation. So I really want to do it justice. And usually a lot of advice is like, no, just go ahead and do it. But this time I'm happy I waited. I am 10 years older and 10 years wiser. And I do think my skill has developed into a certain level that I'm like, okay, if I do this film now, I will do it justice enough. Obviously it could be better, but it will be okay. And so- What is the skill level that you feel that you have now that you didn't before? Is it like the pipeline efficiency? Is it just the skill of actually animating? Like what, what, what tipped you over the edge to say it's time? On a few fronts. A, I wanted this film to be on a serious note. And so I wanted life experience. I wanted to Hmm. experience life for a certain amount of time in order to be able to tell a story that is a little bit more mature and has a little bit more kind of, um, just human experience to back it up. And I think that's important. Two, I've realized as you get older that it's okay to ask for help, that Hmm. you don't have to go at it alone. Um, If I did this when I was 27 instead of 37, I think I would have tried to do everything myself, Um, which would have been a mistake because not only is it wonderful to just ask for help so that you don't burn out, but also when you collaborate with an amazing group of um, talented people, they bring their own experience, their own voice, their own perspective, and it enriches your art. So I think that's really important. I got to a place where I'm like, okay, I want to make this, but I want to make it as a team. I don't want to make it alone. And also, I just think uh, 
you know, one of the overarching themes in this um, short, which uh, the title is Serenka, Legend of the Warsaw Mermaid, and it's based on my Polish culture. I am a Polish immigrant, first generation. Uh, it's about the warrior mermaid of Warsaw, and if anybody hasn't seen um, what that looks like, she is a mermaid that is the emblem of Warsaw. She holds a shield and a sword, so she's a very interesting kind of folk character. Her actual legend is a little bit boring. Um, I was told a more interesting version of a legend by my family, like through oral kind of uh, telling. And I'm even changing it more to become a feminist story. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons I have urgency to make this film now is because of the global, I think, steps backwards, I would say, in some you know first world countries where uh, women's rights are being encroached upon, especially uh, the right to bodily autonomy, uh, you know, the historic overturning of Roe versus Wade in the States. In Poland, my home country, for years now, women have been fighting an extremely conservative government that is trying to curtail the already ridiculously stringent abortion rights that we have in Poland. And I, and you know, there's, there's, in Brazil, there are rights, you know, for women that are being fought, Iran, all over the world, uh, women are standing up to fight for their rights. And I think making a film that has a warrior mermaid as a symbol, which is about fighting for women's rights, I think the time is now. Wow, that's that's an incredible uh, mission. <laughs> I think that's a really amazing, actually. You know, you've got so much heart behind the reason you're doing this. You know, you have the the super connection uh, in your heritage and, and you know, the folktale that you heard growing up through your generations. And, you know, the world is is needing something like this right now too. So um, yeah, I think I think that's quite amazing that you've also reached some kind of maturity to say, you know, my ego, I'm gonna actually go out and not do all of this myself and and search out other artists, um, which is probably what I need to learn as well when I'm making my own <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, where do you even start when you're saying, you know, I want to put together a film, uh, which is quite ambitious. Um, and you know, how do you start to involve other people? What are budgets like? How do you how do you find somebody who writes scripts? How do you find somebody who can you know do backgrounds, et cetera? Is it connections you already had, and you just said, "Hey, I want to work on this film. Do you want to work on this with me?" Where do you even start? So I think another good reason for being slightly older is that you do have a larger network of people. Uh, also, because for the first time in my life, I'm actually making okay-ish money. It really helps that I put some money aside to at least start pre-production. We hmm. could get in a bit more about like the financial aspect and how I expect um, to, to get there. Because one of the things that I'm very adamant is the people that I find to work with me are going to get paid and are going to get paid what they're worth. And to me, that's extremely important. Personally, as an artist, I think artists should get paid for their work always, but more importantly, should get paid what they are worth. Um, so, so I am trying to really uphold that mantra in this project. To start, though, you kind of start with your closest, I guess, um, network. And for me, which is absolutely incredible, is that I was raised by a very powerful woman, my mother, but I am also surrounded by extremely powerful women uh, in my childhood. So my sister is a professor at McGill, mm -hmm. and she studies human rights and uh, Latin history. And my childhood friend that I've known since I was tiny and immigrated, Bianca Boshame, she is a PhD, also professor who is um, studies women X rights, and also like, um, uh, which is fascinating. Like a lot of her her work has to do with art and how art is activism, uh, with uh, Black women's rights and so on. So that's really wonderful. She is herself a woman of color. And then another dear friend of mine, who is my sister's best friend growing up and who I almost consider family, she's like my sister, uh, Zarin Darnell Martin. She is an extremely talented actress who has been in many, many things, but has also uh, taken journalism and has started script writing in the last few years. Oh. So I started this project by having an idea of the story I wanna tell, but leaning on these extremely powerful women um, to help me with their knowledge of storytelling, writing, and also just uh, human rights and the, the actual message you have professionals who this is their life is to study this uh, to help support me in telling the stories. So I got them all on a Zoom call. Uh, I got Zarin to write the script for me. And I got Bianca and my sister Eva to sit there and to give her opinions. And it was fascinating uh, 
because one of the things that I really want to do, you know me, Terry, I've been working in video games for a really long time. And although things are changing and things are getting a lot better, um, video games historically have been very male dominated. And for years and years and years in my career, I would walk into a studio where it'd be 47 guys and I was the only woman. Maybe there was a woman at reception. That was like the only thing. And I would roll my eyes and be like, come on, guys, this is like past, past 2000. What are we doing? Um, slowly it's changing, but this is a story uh, that's about women X rights. And so not only do I want to have a diverse team uh, behind me, but I want it to be uh, dominated by women instead of the other way around, because I want their stories to shine through. And so having uh, Bianca Ivan Zarin at the very beginning of production uh, was already incredible. So we got the script written and I paid for that. And then I had the insane luck uh, to chat with Felicity Moreland, um, who is an independent filmmaker. She is currently finishing her feature length documentary film called Hand Drawn Film, yes. uh, which is an awesome, awesome project. It's about what is going on with 2D animation today? And I think that's such an interesting topic. And I was historically her first interview ever after Cuphead came out. Um, so she's finishing that project. And I was gushing to her about how this is the year that I'm, I'm working on Serenka and I'm asserting the script writing process. And she asked me in passing, do you have a producer? And I'm like, I didn't even think of that. No, I do not. And she's like, would you like me to be your producer? And I was like, oh my God, yes. And she has been amazing I don't think now looking back that I would have had the courage to actually make this film if I didn't have her support oh wow she does everything I hate doing she writes emails she schedules things uh she helped me with grant applications um you know she's like making budgets she's doing all the things that artists hate to do like the most amazing producer that she is I think it's super interesting that you've involved people who are kind of experts in human rights and the issues that you want to bring forth in your film, which to me, you know, obviously I haven't seen the finished thing because it doesn't exist yet, <laughs> but it's probably going to come across very strongly. These themes that you want to put into the film because of the consultation up front. I haven't actually heard of somebody, you know, I talked to a lot of people who do short films and I haven't heard of this level of consulting with the themes um ahead of time so i think that's i think that's super interesting and it sounds uh like it's a great formula you've got put together <laughs> i think so and i think it was interesting because like a lot of the things i've worked on are very lighthearted. uh they're very much entertainment for entertainment's sake you know yeah. for mendes escapism uh this film is not for profit it's not going to make any money it's an animated short it'll probably do a festival run hopefully it'll do well at the festivals but then it's going to live happily on the internet just for people to to watch and to hopefully spark conversation. But because it is a serious topic and I am I don't have a big ego when it comes to my own intellect. I draw pretty shit and I know what I want to say, but I'm not an expert in feminism. I'm not an expert in human rights. And I want to stand on the shoulders of giants, so to speak, by asking for help and asking for um, input from people yeah. who know what they're doing, who have, uh, who can craft words. And that's one of the reasons I didn't write the script myself because I can see all the visuals in my head. I can see how the pictures are gonna be. I have no idea what the dialogue should be. You know, I swear too much and I probably would have put fuck in there for no goddamn reason. And so <laughs> I wanted somebody who whose life is around, you know, acting and words and to have intellectuals um, support me because those are my weaknesses. And I want I want the film to be the best thing it can be. Yeah. So I need help, <laughs> help in these areas. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned a couple of things, you know, you want the film to be the best thing you it can be you want it to have a festival circuit uh and it's going to live on the internet afterwards what is the overall you know what is the goal or success if you i mean if you don't have any it's fine but you know what is the overarching goal that you want to accomplish with putting this together you know 10 years thinking about this going out and putting all this effort into finding a team working with you know people who are experts in the field uh, et cetera, et cetera. you know what is at the end of the day what is that success whatever that may be that you're so, striving for with this? I do have a dream goal, but I don't know if I'm gonna attain it. However, it's you know it's worth a try. I think, um, so my mom was a revolutionary. She was in solidarity movement. And I have this, um, I guess this kind of social anxiety sometimes that 
you know, I have friends who are nurses, friends who are doctors, friends where their job is changing the world, like for mm. a better place. And this is something that's very important to me. And sometimes I would feel bad. I'm like, I make cartoons. Like, you know, yes, it brings joy to people and it entertains them. But is it really changing anything? Is it making anything for the better? And especially um, during Black Lives Matter and, you know, our terrible 2020 and everything that happened, I had this moment of kind of like self-searching and, and a bit of depression of like, am I doing anything meaningful? You know, is any of what I do actually changing the world slightly for the better? Oh, and wow. I think Serenka for me is, uh, it's, you know, it's something that I want to take the time out of my busy career of making awesome, entertaining animations to, to do something that's important to me that has a message. And I think the overarching goal, and this is something that I talked uh, at length with my sister is there are symbols of you know activism out there uh, for Polish women now it is the black umbrella um, as a as a kind of mark of protest for Czarna protest which is called the black protest and uh, that's why I want my mermaid to have a black brown shield to mirror the black umbrella but I want this kind of symbol of Warsaw which is just you know for now like a symbol of a city and it's part of their kind of heritage I wanted to double as a symbol for women's resilience and a, a fight for for equality and for rights. Um, so if if you know at least even just Polish women start looking at Serenka differently and start identifying with her as the warrior mermaid who is standing up for herself, that would be a huge achievement. That would be something amazing. Wow, that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot this past year myself. Because uh, just to go over my story very quickly, you know, I spent a lot of effort trying to get into animation. And now that I'm in animation, I am having that same kind of, you know, what am I contributing to the world with what I do? You know, I'm making video games, I make cute little preschool things in stop motion, et cetera, which is, you know, it's super fun and, and light and it makes people, you know, have a good time. But uh, yeah, it's it's like, how do I want to use my art to actually change change something in the world? I think that's really cool that you've found this as a as a way to express that desire within you do you think yeah. do you think um this is the start of something like do you see yourself doing more films or creating you know um animation in a way that does more I stuff don't to know. change or is like, this i think I think I have very, like, I'm one of those people that always, like, my goals are good enough. Like, I'm I'm very not a perfectionist, which makes me super thrilled because I have a lot of perfectionists in my family and they're absolutely awful. To you're not it. a, Tina, I would say you're, from my perspective, no, you're a perfectionist. I am not because I actually let go. I'm just like, you know what? This is fine. It's good enough for what it is. And I think this is one of the reasons I decided finally to make this film. I'm like, you know what? It's never going to be perfect. It will be good enough. And so... Will this be the start of more films like this? I don't know. I may completely burn myself out after this yeah. film. And I'm going to be perfectly happy if this is the one and only moment in my career that I do something like this. Or I may get obsessed and get like super into making independent films. And that's all I do forevermore. Maybe some people will reach out to me to create films with a message. And I won't be able to say no. Um, who knows? I don't want to plan ahead that much. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But I do want to make this film. I want to finish it. And I want to show it to the world. And it's going to be art for art's sake without um, any profit involved with it, without marketing, without plushies, without, you know, any kind of consumerist background, which I think right. is a huge problem with uh, our industry and, and like entertainment industry in general that uh, especially non-independent projects are so obsessed with, will it make money? Will it make profit? Will we be able to sell plushies, you know, to the children after this? Instead of like, what is the message and what are we trying to teach people or children or the audience? Um, and especially with like the th ever looming threat of AI art, I think this is an important time to, to show that artists think, feel, um, have activist thoughts, and that they make art with a strong message, not only to make money, but just to share something with the world. That's an interesting thought, actually, because, you know, I, I've had a lot of AI discussions behind the scenes and some on this podcast. And one of the big things is like, you know, AI can iterate to create something that is very commercialized uh, and sells. But can it iterate to create something that really has a strong, heartfelt message and and gives off, 
you know, what it means to be human and live in this world. I don't know. So that's I don't think so. I, I don't think it can because it's not human. Yeah. Yes, it is fed human things. And therefore, uh, it regurgitates something that like mirrors maybe human uh, emotions and experience. But to me, like when I first read the script um, after Zaren wrote it, like I got choked up because it was exactly what I wanted to say. And the first few times that I talked to people about it, I would get emotional trying to finish talking about this film and wow. the, the collaborators that I got on board, like all these incredible uh, diverse women who are a part of my team, they would feel how much this means to me and they would feel the emotion I have behind it. And they would get like excited and also like, you know, super empowered by it. And I think, all those things like shine through an art project which has that kind of you know those kind of human thoughts and emotions behind them and um I, I keep saying that about Cuphead is that like to me Cuphead was this glorious amazing journey where I was so happy so thrilled I knew I was part of something magical and I think we all did and I I, I have this like thought that people do sense that when they play the game like they feel all of our like magical tingling sensations when we were making it. And I think this is a similar moment where I think people are gonna feel the emotion and those are human emotion. And this is why we make art is to share those emotions with each other. And I think I think AI can't replicate that, it cannot. Totally, I mean, you know, I, I read a lot of the comments and all the Cuphead stuff and every, every they're all about, you know, the animation, et cetera, so it's good. Also, I think that's a really, when you said you get choked up, I think that's really important to recognize in yourself. That means it means something to you. I mean, the projects that I've worked on where I feel emotionally, I just feel emotion myself. Uh, they've always done, they've been always well received versus the projects where I'm like, yeah, it's it's cool. It's going to be yeah. Yeah, working that's, on that's it. Looks good. It doesn't have the same it doesn't have the same reception. So I think I think that's amazing that you even feel personally choked up but on your own idea. <laughs> I know. And the thing is, you think like after a while, you just get bored of your own idea. But I'm still like, and I've been doing this for months already, but I still do re react that emotionally. So it's a good sign. It hasn't worn away like quite quickly yet. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. Maybe after, because I'm, I'm hoping to, it's a seven minute short. We'll wow. Talk a little bit oh about, my gosh, yeah. seven minutes seven minutes to me like and again for those of you who don't know animation maybe like oh that's short no it's not it takes forever to do seven minutes um and also I am not planning to quit my job to do on to work on this I am going to still be uh working probably full-time maybe at some point part-time if I like you know production picks up but I still need to you know pay rent and uh the yeah. funds that I raise for this film will be primarily to pay the other people that work on it and not myself. If I can pay myself, oh my God, that would be really cool. But that's like the like highest hanging fruit out there. I, I fully am aware that I probably will be the only one working for free, but everybody else needs to get paid. So the money that I get for the film is gonna be to pay other people and I still need to pay my bills. So I'm gonna be working you know, freelance for companies as I always do. Um, so that's going to be fun, uh, but I'm going to make it a two-year timeline I have to make my seven-minute short. So, uh, well, I was going to ask you, you know, about the lifestyle commitment of creating something seven minutes long, but I feel like you just answered it. But, you know, you're going to be still working full-time or part-time. How have you been managing the film so far? Because, you know, I've I've seen some things and you're already pretty far along in terms of conceptualizing what it's going to be. I don't know how much I can share, but yeah, um, you mean, know, are you, are you working late nights every night? Is this like a stressful thing or is this like, you know, I work on it leisurely a couple hours here and there. And it's like this, this timeline is, is, is very manageable. So <laughs> uh, to both things, yes and no. So at first it was fairly leisurely. Like I just, you know, was starting to get things planned and I was putting all my ducks in a row, the script writing and so on. Uh, but then, um, in an amazing turn of events, I would say, like, because I have Felicity, uh, who is my producer, she found three grant applications that we wow. wanted to apply to, and those have deadlines, hard deadlines. And um, so the month of March has been absolute hell because of those three deadlines. And then all of my clients decided they also have deadlines in March. Clients who have <laughs> had no deadlines sometimes March in their careers. But they're like, no, all our deadlines are in March. So, oh, and then I got like, not COVID, but I got sick. I got like a, a cold. Oh, um, so I was trying to, so it, that was horrible. And I was working long nights, but, um, but also because of those deadlines, 
we had to, you know, find X amount of team members that we were still missing. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying about like, at first it was like family, friends and, you know, relatives like my sister, but the kind of the next level and Felicity is a friend, the next level of people we wanted to hire um, were different roles that, for example, I didn't know somebody uh, off the bat or off the top of my head that had the kind of style that I wanted. So we went on a nice uh, Google, Twitter, Instagram search and found incredible um, women and, and you know, non-binary individuals who, uh, who we admired and we would reach out to them. And maybe once one person didn't reply and then we had, you know, other people that we were interested in, but everybody, most people replied right away that they were interested to learn more. We had a lovely Zoom call where I pitched the project to them and they all said yes. And I was blown away because they're all so wonderful. And there's this like lovely amount of variation, not only of our cultural background, because I have you know, African American women working on this, but I also have like Vietnamese, Canadian, and you know, Polish. And my VFX artist is from Ukraine, and she is currently working in Ukraine. So I'm so proud to be supporting her as she does that. Uh, but like also the variety of age groups is so in enjoyable because you have women who are like me, very well established, you know, very very put together when you meet them on zoom they know what they're saying they're never mind they're super powerful and then you have these adorable little 20 some year olds who are so cute <laughs> and, like, and you know they're so thrilled to be a part of a project as well and their biographies are two sentences long and I'm just like oh pumpkin and I love them all and they're wonderful so so it's really nice to see also like you know I think some of it like there's 10 years to 20 years sometimes in, in age gaps. And I think that's great too. So not only a diverse amount of voices when it comes to background, but also, you know, perspective when it comes to age. Yeah. And I think that's really great. Hey, their, their bios are going to be three sentences long after they're done working on your film. I hope so. <laughs> if you don't mind, can I ask you some budgeting questions and grant questions? Absolutely. So you've mentioned maybe like five people or something. How many people are going to be in the final? Because you also need like music voice acting, yes. uh, et cetera. So how many people are going to be in this in the final seven minutes team? So currently, I think we're close to I think it won't be more than 15. Wow. So I can, yeah, it's 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 a lot when you when you actually like break down um, the things. So there's me and Felicity who are, you know, the kind of a core team that's going to be there from beginning to end. Uh, we have our two consultants, Eva and Bianca, and we have our script writer. So that's already five. And then you have a storyboard artist that I got on board. She's absolutely amazing. So she's going to be working with me on the storyboards. I have a second animator who actually we work with. Yana is going to help me um, uh, animate some crowd scenes. So she's going to oh, be on board. I have a layout artist. I have a background painter. So my layout artist is from the States and she's wonderful. She had like beautiful detailed work. Um, and then I have uh, Hazel Dang, who is my background uh, painter, who is on board as well. And then I have a VFX animator. So I can animate VFX, but it, I wouldn't say it's my specialty. I wanted somebody who lives and breathes VFX. So Sonia from Ukraine is my VFX artist. And then I have a compositing artist. <laughs> and then I found um, an amazing, amazing uh, Toronto-based um, uh, Alexandra. So she is a sound specialist. Mm. So she makes all her own sound effects. Uh, but also does like like final um, so like you know there's some scenes outside obviously uh, for those of you who don't know the Warsaw Mermaid is a river mermaid because it's the Vistula River that runs past Warsaw so there's going to be scenes outside in in summer so like the nature sounds have to be there the crickets the, the little gusts of wind all that kind of stuff so she makes soundscapes she makes um, you know she also does like final sound mixing so she's going to be my sound mixer yeah. And then, wait, wait, I have a composer. Uh, her, her name is Mariana Caligari, and she is Italian-Brazilian. Oh um, she's currently based in LA. And so she actually reached out to me, which was amazing. She followed me on Instagram for years, and I started posting about Serenka. And she's like, do you have a, like, a composer <laughs> yet? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just started. She's like, can you please keep me in mind? And so I looked at her portfolio, and it was great. She loves working with animations. And wow. so... We already met her. She had these amazing like insights. She looked up uh, folk Polish musical instruments 
Oh my goodness. Isn't it amazing when somebody out of the blue is excited about your work and they can do what you want? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. I want to work with you. If you want to work with me, that's great. And then finally, um, this is something that's fascinating. So mermaids generally in folk stories are, you know, there's sirens and different type of like water creatures are very vocal. Um, So the Polish mermaid sings in the original legend. I always wanted her to sing. My mom like scoured the internet for ancient folk songs that are copyright free, you know, so the lyrics and the music are copyright free because we're in public domain. And she found this amazing folk song called Oitejeko, which means Oh Ye River. And it's about a river and, and, you know, the Warsaw mermaid is, uh, is a, a river mermaid. So I was like, oh my God. And so I heard this amazing version, which I hope you will link, by Laboratorium Pieśni, which is um, a Polish choir who sings a cappella and they sing Ogi River. And it is so haunting and pensive and it gives off all the vibes of, of what I wanted to say. And I actually wanted that song to go over the credits when the credits roll. And I reached out to this choir and they agreed to sell me the rights to that song wow. for the credits. So that was oh wonderful. Oh my gosh. But, but that's a choir and they're not soloists. So I was like, I need a soloist to sing the song twice. The mermaid sings once when she is happy and in love and everything is beautiful. So she sings a beautiful soft version of Oe River. But then she gets angry, as women should get angry sometimes, and the song changes. It becomes an angry song. So I needed somebody to sing it twice. And this is, oh my God, my mom. So my mom started Googling like Polish singers because all the voices are going to be in English to make it kind of, you know, internationally uh, easy to sell internationally at international festivals. But I wanted the music to be Polish to reflect my heritage. Um, we will also have obviously subtitles in a whole bunch of different languages, but yeah, so the songs are Polish. So my mom started Googling like Polish singers and she found this amazing soloist called Sylvia Zelek. And then she called her on the phone, like an ancient person, <laughs> like didn't message her through social media, just called her up, just called her cell phone and was like, hey, my daughter is making this film. Would you sing the mermaid song? And she's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> so I, have oh a, I have a soloist and she's awesome. And we're going to record in May. We have a studio booked, which will go back to budgets. Um, so we have a studio booked for that in Poland wow. and Warsaw. And she's going to sing the song for me uh, twice. And my sister changed the lyrics slightly of a folk song. So it changes slightly from the happy song to the angry song, which is really cool. Wow, this is all incredible. I love just listening to the amount of effort that went into it, but also how it seems seamlessly seamlessly coming together. I don't know what the word is. It sounds like it's really coming together. This It's incredible. It's magical. It's, it's kind of, it's almost terrifying how it started steamrolling ahead. Almost like, you know, yeah. I'm losing control of this train that's moving ahead without me. But it's okay. Things are going well. And um, another thing that was fascinating to me, I don't know, like, if anybody ever heard this bullshit, you probably didn't because you're not, you're not a woman, but I have. A few times in my career when I went to a studio that was completely male dominated, there was not a, another single woman in the studio. <laughs> it's my dog. Is that Appa growing? Yeah, Appa's, Appa's commenting. He's a squirrel. Squirrel <laughs> He's looking outside. <laughs> um, so one of the things I got told, I would sometimes ask blatantly, so why am I the only woman on this team? Why, why, why didn't you hire more women? And they're like, oh, it's so hard to find the talent, yada, yada, yada. That is such bullshit. Literally, it is the easiest fucking thing in the world to find incredible, powerful women or people who are LGBTQ plus to fill every position that you fucking can imagine. It was so easy. It was not hard. They are there. They're available. They are responsive. They are incredibly talented and the best person for the job. It's it's not hard. So that was a ton of bullcrap that I was told for for like years and years and years that they're hard to find. They're not, they're not hard. Just put a tiny bit of effort and you will find them, which is hilarious to me. I also love that you're being, you know, you're, you're, uh, I don't even know the right wording, but that you're staying true to yourself and you're doing those things, you know, instead of, you know, I'm sure finding male animators is super easy and blah, 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 but like you're specifically looking and also internationally, which I think is amazing, giving other people opportunities from around the world. Um, I do have a question about that. You applied to Canadian grants, correct? Yes. Does it matter that the artists are Canadian or not involved yes, in the? It does. 
So um, I applied to three Ontario-based grants. Uh, thankfully, it does not matter that you have, you know, some international um, people. It does matter. So, for example, for a certain like a criteria, like um, one grant was like, you know, you can be an artist, but you cannot be Toronto-based because we have oh. had too many Toronto people apply. So now they like because it's, it's a good here, thing you moved away a couple of weeks ago. So now, now I'm in ago. Ottawa, so I'm like, yes, I, you know, I, I. <laughs> And there's like a bunch of other grants that we're this close to applying to. And then there's like one tiny sentence yeah. that means I cannot apply to them. Huh. So there, there's, you have to read all the fine print, unfortunately. So with the ones that I apply to, it is important that you provide jobs to Canadian artists, but that it doesn't have to be all from one city. So for example, in like, you know, my script writer, yeah. my my two consultants, myself, Felicity, who is my producer, um, Alexandra, sound design, and, you know, like a, a whole bunch of other people, like my background designer is from Vancouver. Uh, so we have a huge amount of people Canadian, even if we're from all over Canada and from different cultural backgrounds. And then we have, you know, one person in this, two people in the States, one person in Ukraine, see, one see, person see, in yeah. Poland. So that doesn't matter as much. Like they they don't mind it as long as, for example, like a big percentage of your people are Canadian based. So we did try first to find people who are Canadian based. It was important to me to also have Eastern European people just because the story is Eastern European. So I thought it was really important to have that kind of be part of it. Um, but I think also... I have several good chances for getting grants because it's not just like a fuzzy story about like, I don't know, a cute kitten. And I just want to say it because I want to say it. It does have a feminist message and agenda. And also it has to do with my heritage. And Canada is very good about supporting immigrant stories. Yeah. Um, it is unlike, you know, other places where they really want you to assimilate. Canada kind of celebrates the diversity and, and really is open to telling stories from different countries. And I think that's beautiful. So that was a, a huge kind of um, leg up for us with Serenka to be able to apply to certain grants. Right. Plus, you're also approaching this so seriously. You have a producer, you have people involved, et cetera. I'm wondering, you know, you said you're already booking things like, you know, you you um, have a studio space booked for the 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 singer, et cetera. What happens if you don't get these grants? Are you still going to go forward with the film and produce it regardless? Yes. So one of the things that I want to talk about is that I am not putting all my hopes on grants. I have <laughs> two other venues of um, of getting funds, one of which is personal, where I am taking on, uh, you know, classes and, uh, you know, doing other things on the side in order to to get some funding. And so, for example, all the studio books, like I've created a test shot, I've had the script written, I've had a, a bunch of pre-production done. That's all paid out of pocket, out of my own savings, um, which, you know, I've been putting aside, pardon me, I'm just the dog out. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Appa just wants to get out. <laughs> uh, He's had enough of this podcast chat. Yeah, he, he's done. <laughs> it's over for him. But yeah, so I I did, you know, some funding for myself. Also, I did my taxes, which you should all do. And I got a little bit back. So I'm like, ooh, that's going to go into the film because it's like surprise money, right, that I didn't have before. Um, and so that, I think, will last me for at least pre-production to get the storyboard done, to get the animatic done. And um, the big expense will be to get voice actors hired. Uh, to do all the voices because there is dialogue in this film so not only does the mermaid sing but there is dialogue so I need to hire a studio um, and then hire the voice actors to record that so that's an expense that I need to pay right out of pocket and then there's something that oh my god this is like a dream goal but I hope it happens is that if I get you know funding through grants and then a Kickstarter, which for Mermaid, uh, I'm I'm launching in May. So hopefully people who love animation, who love independent projects, uh, want to support it, even if like you know five dollars, whatever you can give. I'm selling some original drawings from the test shot that I did of the Mermaid, which is all hand drawn on paper. Uh, so hopefully that, you know, pulls through and we have a bit more funding, but like the dream dream, and this has never happened to me, is to hire some actors to actually act out certain key moments in the short. So I have it as reference, because I don't know if you like are a geek like I am and look at the old Disney films, which are so beautifully animated, but they had reference footage. They had actual actors that look like the final character as well. Um, act out all the key scenes. So it wasn't all from imagination of the of the animators. We had like 
amazing, incredible actors to, to use that and then interpret into their animation. And obviously, uh, Terry, you've done it, I've done it. We all use ourselves as reference footage when we're working currently. Like we record ourselves doing the acting and then, you know, use that. But I have, for example, an old man in my short. An old man, I am not. And I move differently from an old man. I can pretend to be one. But oh my God, wouldn't it be wonderful if I could like shoot reference footage? So this is like a dream goal to hire actors to give me some really, really meaty references uh, for the really important moments in the film. 100%. Well, Toronto is a very, you know, there's tons of actors here so and, and theater companies, et cetera. So I don't think you should have a problem finding people. But yeah. So you're so, okay. So personal savings to do pre-production. Yes. But um, grants to get hopefully as much production covered as possible. And then a Kickstarter, which yes. you're coinciding with Mermaid, which is perfect timing for this as well. It is. It's you so get wonderful. Free promo so, every day for the month of Mermaid. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. And also, I'm going to be at a festival uh, in May. I'm going to be in uh, Digital Dragons in Krakow, uh, which is in Poland, which is exciting. So I will, of course, gush about this film there. And hopefully, some people will support it. Uh, but I find that. I've been blown away by the response. Like every time I see an animated short come up on Kickstarter, I support it. I don't care. I'm like, it's animation, it's independent. I'm supporting it. There's a couple of amazing ones that passed by uh, recently. And I was so thrilled to see them all get funded. So fingers crossed people get excited at my project and also help me out to get the whole thing going. Yeah, well, 100%. And, you know, I'll post the link. If you're listening and you want to support on Kickstarter, there's going to be a link in the description of this chat. So if you like mermaids and you like Tina and <laughs> you like supporting women's rights and, uh, and artists. And you also want a pretty film to watch. And you want a pretty film to watch, uh, support this. Um, you know, I think this is incredible. You know, you have such an illustrious career already in video games and, and you know, in TV as well and, and some feature animation too. And you're finally going into the short film realm. It's about time, Tina. <laughs> it is. And as I said, though, I'm happy I waited. Like, I, I really wanted to do this film. Uh, I think the film, though, that I would have made at 27 would be very different from the film I make today. Yeah. And I think that's that's important to realize that, yes, this is the right time. This is the optimal time for me to do this. And I feel confident that it is. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm just curious, just a random question. Are there any other animated or even live films or short films on the covering the Warsaw Mermaid? Or is this kind of the first thing? So the only thing I could find, and I can't even find it on the internet, I heard it from somebody, that somebody in the Gobelin school animated yeah. the Warsaw Mermaid as like not even a short, just like as an intro to something, but I can't mm. find it. Somebody so told me to- this film is going to be iconic then. I hope the so. First the first <laughs> icon of the Warsaw Mermaid. That's it's a there's not time. a lot out there. There's no live action film. There's no there's no animation. Definitely, uh, there's yeah. obviously like iconography and uh, sculpture. Uh, there's not a lot of paintings either that I can find of the Warsaw Mermaid. So this is really uh, fascinating. It's like you know um, uncharted territory, which is yeah. really cool. I, I guess one thing we did just didn't cover about the film. You're completely hand drawn on actual paper. On actual paper. On and actual paper with pencil animation. Yes. This isn't like two yes. moon TV paints. No. Uh, et cetera. So, this is... um, obviously computers will be a part of it. Uh, but as we were saying with like the whole thing of AI, I'm one of those like people obsessed with traditional mediums and the magic that comes. And you are obsessed yeah. with that too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the magic that comes from imperfection, from like the human hand touching something and the little things that like a computer would have fixed, you know, and those things make it just so gorgeous and so beautiful and so unique. So yes, I will be using computers for a bunch of stuff like compositing. Um, you know, my background artist does use digital uh, for, for her work, although it mimics painting, which makes me super happy. But a few things, the animation will all be done on paper, hand-drawn yeah. um, for the reason that A, I love, hand-drawn paper animation. And if I have a choice, I always do it the way that I want to do it. But also um, because I do want to self-fund the film as much as possible if we don't get the grants, um, it's a really lovely thing for backers to be able to purchase is an yeah, original drawing yeah, yeah, yeah. from the film and put it on their wall. I have a few beautiful you know, drawings from, uh, I started collecting them very slowly from certain uh, films that I admire. And, you know, I frame them and put them on my wall and they bring me so much joy. So I want Serenka to be that so that people can collect 
a drawing from the film. But it also, you know, again, I find I animate slightly differently when I animate on paper versus on the computer. I find that I plan a lot more. I'm more self-aware of what I want to do because mm. there is no undo button, you know, like you have to kind of really pre-plan and, and focus. And I think that focus uh, is going to be really important. And then finally, um, I am inspired by a certain art movement from Poland for this film because I want to add more of my culture to it. Everybody knows of Alfons Mucha or Mucha, if you if you pronounce it wrong. Um, he is a Czech uh, Art Nouveau artist. And so the Art Nouveau movement was the early 1900s. Um, it was only like a 20 year gap, which was really fascinating. But Poland had its own Art Nouveau, which is not globally well known, I would say. It's called Moda Polska, the Young Poland. And artists from uh, the Polish Art Nouveau were obsessed with rural life and, you know, the the poor kind of peasant classes and like kind of making their lives beautiful and showcasing the, the beauty of nature, hmm. the beauty of the rural lifestyle. And they have this glorious amount of paintings and artwork. But my favorite artist from that movement is uh, Wisbiański who did um, a lot of pastels. He also did a lot of um, stained glass designs, which are very graphic. Uh, he has God the Father, which is one of his most beautiful stained glasses, which is so gorgeous. But he does this style where he, it almost like is made for animation. The outline is pretty thick. He doesn't use black though. He always uses brown or green. And then the colors are pretty flat. And then he kind of has these like weird, very graphic textures that he overlays over the clothing of his characters. Hmm. And so I, when I would look at that, I'd be like, oh my God, that would make such a good animation. So the way I want to do it is my characters are going to have that thick pastel-y kind of outline in the cleanup phase, which I'm going to mimic in TV paint. And then they're going to have flat colors, but the clothing of the main characters and of the mermaid are going to be overlaid with a hand-painted watercolor texture. Um, so my friend Suzanne Lacomza, who is a Toronto-based artist, she paints uh, beautiful watercolor paintings. So she's going to be doing custom textures for each character, is going to have his own texture. Wow. And then the texture, this happens in one Japanese film, which I keep forgetting the title, but they did it, where like the texture is just held in the background, and yeah. the character moves over the texture, and it's like kind of masks, it reveals itself. So right. it has like a very specific look, and I'm just super excited about that, to kind of make the painterly kind of movement marry with animations. So yes. Okay, this already is is sounding extremely beautiful in my imagination as you're talking about it. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, I just maybe just a I don't even know what else to ask you because you're just a, you're just answering all my questions. But one question I have just very quickly is and I, people ask me this too and I just don't know because I haven't hand drawn anything in animation. What is the just I guess quickly what is the process of going from hand drawn onto TV paint to final composite because I have drawn things on a page and scanned it and then it's a nightmare on <laughs> yeah. Photoshop to color correctly so there's several different ways you can go about it and this is like I use the pipeline that we developed for Cuphead um so I have an animation disc in my studio and I animate everything rough with a light blue pencil um, and the light blue pencil like comes up as gray on the scanner. Uh, but if you up the contrast, it's going to completely disappear. That's why it's called non-repro blue. Ah. So I do rough passes and I have a batch scanner from Brother where you like dump like a pile of papers and it just like sucks each paper up. And then like you go have a coffee and it like numbers everything nicely. Oh, perfect. How and then you like put a piece of black tape over one part of it. And so when the holes of the animation pass, they come out as black instead of white on white, which is very important. Oh. So the peg bars come up black. And so when you put it into TV Paint, which has a peg align tool, you uh, draw a square over the pegs and you click peg align and it goes doo -doo 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 -doo, and then like it realigns all your drawings so that they're exactly where the pegs are supposed to be. Wow. <laughs> yes. And so then it's everything like you kind of saw it on your table. It's all nicely aligned. Sometimes it messes up and then you have to kind of just tweak one frame, like if it just didn't read the pegs correctly, um, which is fine. Like it happens, but most of the time it's very, very good. And so you do that in rough and then you do it again with an HB pencil when you're doing your details. And then you kind of like boost the contrast when you scan so that only the HB shows up. And so that is your kind of final tied down line and then depending on the look of a short sometimes i would just like boost contrast even more and like double multiply so that like that is my final cleanup line 
But because I want that kind of pastel look, so then I use uh, TV Paint has like paper textures and different kind of, um, because it's a pixel-based program, it's like Photoshop, you can have different brushes. So I use my beautiful paper animation and then I use that, like I make a pastel outline and all that kind of stuff. And then it has a great coloring tool as well for the flat color. And then for that watercolor texture thing, that's my compositor, Sarah, who's doing that. And she's making magic. I don't know how she does it, but she makes magic in After Effects. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for <clears throat> thank you for explaining that all to me. It makes sense. I'm so glad you can just scan everything all at once and it appears correctly. Um, I know, right? Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, is there anything else that we didn't chat about? You know, I, I've loved hearing all about your film. I'm super excited about it. And it's only two years away. So it's coming oh, only... out soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about it, too. I, I really can't wait to hear just what people have to say about our first test yeah. shot. Um, I'm really, really excited about the women I'm collaborating with. And especially since some of them are younger, I'm, I really hope that this film is something that they could put in their portfolio and be proud of and like yeah. help catapult their careers forward. Um, but yeah, I just hope it inspires more people to do personal projects, to do independent filmmaking, because in a in a time of like deep, dark depression, when we are threatened by AI, where, you know, jobs are disappearing, mass layoffs, I think that you have to stand up for yourself as an artist and remember why you're doing this, why you love what you do and don't let it stop you. Like don't let the world being depressing stop you from making good art. Just go yeah. out there and make art. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even want to say anything else after that. That's such a nice note to to leave on. <laughs> I think so. I think there's hope. And I think, I think we need to support each other and exactly through crowdfunding, through like, uh, social media, artists supporting artists, yeah. artists, fans supporting each other, podcasts, festivals, you know, just like the humanity behind it all. Like we, we need to uplift, oh, we need to uplift a, in times yeah. of, of sorrow and, and darkness. That's such a good, um, the, the heart of it. Just, it feels so nice hearing you saying that. And so, yeah. I'm, is there anything else you wanted to share? As no, but please out? support Serenka. Please go check out the link. <laughs> Um, whoever's listening, even if it's like a dollar, you know, just please support it. Um, yeah. Share it on your social media if you can't afford to support it financially. Um, and I will love to hear all your comments and, and excited to share with you work in progress on social media as I make my own film. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tina, for coming on and sharing all about Serenka. You know, it's been, it's a, a, it's pleasure, been a pleasure Gary. to bring you on. <laughs> Always. Yes. And if you're listening, you know, 100% uh, support Serenka the film. Uh, I'm going to include links to the Kickstarter uh, to follow it on Twitter, which is Serenka Film on Twitter, and as well as uh, Tina's Tina's Instagram and Twitter as well. So, and the link to Oye River, so you can listen to that beautiful choir music too. So that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Willem Mendo and the graphics by Luhan Wang. I encourage you to look them up if you've enjoyed their work.